This is my front yard. <laughs> this is my front patio, right? So yeah. No, no, it's good. Excellent. No, so Mike, Mike, I want to thank you very much for hopping on. I do appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. I, uh, thanks. Thank you. No, not you. The other Michael. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, sorry. We have the, the, the head referee of the Ontario. I'm here. What? Oh, okay. I don't know. We're just making sure. No, no, we got you. Um, want to thank you for on for coming on tonight. Uh, how things been, man? Since uh, obviously the pandemic started and. Well, basically, what's this? Um, I've just been working, uh, working from home. The hard part about that is working at home and also managing the house while taking care of my daughter, right? Like, I got to make sure that uh, every five minutes that she's doing something that's not, you know, uh, breaking things within the house or getting lost outside. I'm kind of happy that I live in a, in a gated community over here. So she gets to run around the neighborhood and just like comes back just for lunch or for dinner or something like that. But other than that, I just make sure that um, she, she's, you know, she knows the stranger danger. She knows uh, how to handle herself, a little bit of, of self-defense for kids, you know, the three T's, and those sort of things that basically I was teaching uh, Ariel to do. Uh, but other than that, what's this? Um, I've been eating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm no longer in the rooster weight division. Uh, no. Yeah. Are you are you moving? Are you moving up to um, middle heavy or where? What's uh, what's super heavy? Right no, 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 super. No, no, no. Not that. Not that heavy. But basically, I'm at like 145. The last time I checked, right? And um, I've been working out with my brother. My brother's. Um, my brother Chris Aviado, he's like, um, he's an M1 world record for what's this uh, bench press, and he's like a power lifter, right? Like sick, sick power power lifter. He makes me look stupid in regards to the weights that I'm pushing. I I feel like a girl around him, you know. <laughs> but uh, what what I like about the the way he's teaching me is basically the way I teach Jin Jiu Jitsu. It starts from the very very basic. He, he shows me the proper forms of how to lift properly so that uh, you reduce yourself from getting hurt and also um, the right muscles are working. I mean, you guys are in the field of like uh, training people, right? So Yep. Uh, last I time I checked. Last time you checked? Yeah. How's that like? Uh, you know, just hanging out at home right now with, uh, with the gym closed, you know, but, uh, I think hopefully the, the gym that me and Aaron do not speak of was, uh, actually hopefully opening up pretty soon. Maybe by the time this podcast is, uh, out Done. to the public. Uh, well, I heard that it's supposed to open now, like Tuesday, right? So, um, but in a way, I don't think it's going to be the same. Uh, everyone's going to be social distancing. How can you do social dis- distancing in jujitsu? No such thing. You can't. You can't can. really. Yeah. So but yeah. I, I get it at the same time. It's it's just a way to like get your foot in the door and to kind of get things started. And then we can mm-hmm. go, hey, look, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah. We're sneezing like, on each other and, you know, we're yakking at each other and still no one's dying. Can we, exactly. can we train now? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but, you know, we yeah. gotta, we, a lot of schools have to work with uh, what they got right now. Sorry, Aaron, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I, I think it, um, Professor uh, Bruckman actually said it great on a, on a pod. Um, I think it was just a, a post he put out. And he basically mm. said, he's like, you know what? Like, I know that I have the option to open right now, but 
it's not jujitsu. It's not what I want to do. It's not what I want to give my students. It's mm. not, I don't feel comfortable getting the doors open unless everybody's going to get the experience that I want them to get. Right. Exactly. And, that, I, I, and that's, that's him preserving the art for himself mm-hmm. and his students and how he wants everybody to feel. I think a lot of people feel that way too. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why they're kind of like holding off until they're, they really, they're kind of hesitant, you know, hesitant to open up uh, their gyms. Right. Because of the last thing you want is, I heard this from a good friend. Uh, uh, last thing you want is to have um, a super germ factory, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a one kind, one gym that everyone's infected. Just like, like um, everyone's infected, and they're they're going to see their families, and they're infecting everybody as well. I mean, it's bad enough that we get the ringworm, right? Imagine with this COVID thing passing around, so. I understand the hesitation for businesses to open and I respect them because of the fact that we can't go against the government. The government right now is mandating that, you know, oh, th- these gyms have to be closed or these gyms have to have certain parameters in order for them to, to operate, right? Now, you do something like that, basically, you go against to their um, wishes, they're going to come down hard on you. They're going to, they're going to, charge your gym probably a hundred thousand dollars whatever that fee is and then everybody else is going to be um going to be monitored leashed on their phones right you got you got to fight the power man i get government you. man i get you i get you so those are the things that basically kind of concerns me and i guess it's also in the minds of uh, business owners right so I get it on both ends. Like it's it's not a it's not a the best time to be a, a small mm-hmm. business owner in in Canada yeah. or even in the world. I would say in general, because mm-hmm. no matter what you're no matter what you try to do, if you try to do the right thing, you're losing, and if you try to do the wrong thing, you can lose even more. So exactly, you're not exactly. in a good spot either way. Uh, we're in a time of a witch hunt. Everyone's witch hunting. Everyone's witch hunting in regards to oh, who's wearing a mask or who's um, who's social you know, distancing. Who's social distancing. Who's racist? Who's this? Who is that? Who is stupid? Who is not? Whatever you know. Well, we know Aaron is, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's the thing, though. Like it's because we lost the contact of of being with other people of of. Um, of communicating with each other the proper way in which you greet people, hi, you say hello, you um, have beers with them, you shake their hands. Sometimes you give, well, we're jujitsu people. We like to cuddle and hug people, right? So slap uh, and bump. Slap and bump stuff. No, so I get it. I get why people are so vexed these days. Uh, people are in a witch hunt, you know. We hear bad news happening all over the world in regards to um china doing something and then what's this the who doing something else that's always contradicting and then you hear trump tweeting one way and then you hear uh, blm uh complaining about another thing so it's we've forgotten uh, how to have a civil discourse between each other you know yeah. and we we uh we talked about uh me and Aaron did a solo podcast uh, a while ago. We were talking about the world needs to be more like an open mat. We've been to several open mats, some of which we've attended together and others. But like, do you you go to an open mat? Like, you see people of different walks of life, different yes. colors, skin tones, 
different genders, different sexual orientations, but, mm -hmm. you know, or, or people, you know, complaining and at each other's throats about every little thing in an open mat. No, they're there, you know, you go to have fun, you hang out. None of that, I'm not going to say like, you know, none of that stuff matters, but like in the, in the big picture, we're all a lot more similar than I think people, uh, people think. It is a micro, it is a micro um, community, if you think yeah. about it, but you, you, you're not going to defund the, what's this, the, the police or you're not going to defund the enforcers in our gym, Defund right? the jujitsu. <laughs> defund the jujitsu enforcer, you know, like, like. I, I like having an enforcer once in a while inside the, what's this, the, inside an open mat. And sometimes what I hate is if I have to be an enforcer, you know, like, like it's not like, a good place to be. I know. I've, it's I've, not, I've, it's I've, not experienced that. I've you know, seen it a bunch of times. I've seen Michael be that enforcer too. <laughs> have you? Oh yeah. Mike. Oh me. No, I've, 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 no, I like Michael Aviato. I've seen Yo, you are. No, yeah. you know what? Go on. We're gonna need to yep. hear a Mike Iviato, uh, Jim, Jim Police uh, oh, story I, real like, quick. Like, like, like I remember, like back in the day, like okay, like I can even like attest to like one story myself, right? Because I remember we were at, um, I think it was a Professor Shaw seminar or something like that, and um, I guess one guy didn't pay. Or was he was he hadn't paid yet? <laughs> Where's my like money? That. Where's my money? <laughs> he hadn't paid yet, and so Professor Matt McDonald goes, "Okay, hey, Eric, see that guy? Put him out." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I, like, the green light. You got like, the green light. You got the green light." I'm like, "I'm like, you serious?" He's like, "Yeah, do it." I'm like, "Okay, okay, you know, <laughs> go get him on the next roll, right? Slap hands, okay, start going." put him in a triangle and just hold him in a triangle. He taps and like, and then I look over at Matt and Matt's like, keep going, keep going. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, that's Papi Loco, out. man. And then, uh, Bobby, yeah, Papi Loco. And, and they put him out and the guy wakes up. He's like, yo, man, I knew I tapped. Like, I Sorry, tapped. Man, I, didn't feel, I, I, I didn't feel it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And then basically this also like, uh, remember the old school rules. If you catch somebody with choke, uh, of this, with the same choke three times, the mm. third time they they have to go to sleep. They no oh, more yeah, tapping, yeah, yeah. right? Like that, that that was the that was the rule. The unhit. That's, that's just mean. <laughs> it is mean. It is mean. But then if you didn't le learn from the second, first or the second uh, submission, right? Come on, the third is coming at you right there and then. Yeah. Defenders, but then Aaron, how many times should I put you out by now for using that rule? Probably a couple, a couple, times. <laughs> a couple times. A couple, yeah, that's why we don't have that rule right now. <laughs> that's a, a, you know what? That's a dick, a dick rule. It's an old school rule. Well, I kind of enjoy it, and I kind of miss it. But then we now live in a PC culture, right? So, <laughs> what do you what do you do if you're rolling with a white belt? And you just keep trying some repeatedly. Well, you should you should do that, man. Well, I'm gonna put you out the third time. That's just too bad. It's I think happened. now. I I think. There has to be maybe a rule. Like, think, you have to be rolling with somebody who's like maybe an equal belt level than you, for example, no, or like it, at least it, like some sort of equal skill. Like I'm not going to go as a brown belt. I'm going to pick like a white belt in their like, first month of training and just keep putting them unconscious over and over again. That's that just me. That mentality <laughs> has changed. The, yeah. is, um, Professor Marco said it himself that basically what you need to do is um, respect the tap. Respect the tap. Because you might no, never you, know. you do. 
you know, like you, you, you got him in a triangle and what's this, he's tapping. Next thing you know, he has a seizure kind of thing, right? So you, you don't want that to happen. This is my little daughter. Hello. Just, you send your daughter to a run-in on a... Uh... Hey. Hi. She's a unicorn Hello. today. Yeah, she is a unicorn today. Bye. <laughs> I've had my yeah. kid do a do a run in several times, so it's okay. Exactly. No. So, but, so Mike, you've been training for a while. Like, how how long you've been training for? And when did you first get started with Professor Marco? Well, um, I started in I think uh, the late two thousand seven, uh, around like I think November or December. I only went for like one or two classes at that time. But then that first class, I couldn't wait for the next class, right? Um, basically, uh, it was around 2008 that I, I'm, I was consistently uh, training with uh, Professor Marco. Um, also, um, during that time, it was a weird time because like I was, I was in the middle of a midlife crisis at that time, you know, um, you were, you started training and you were 40 at the time already? No, 35. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still, 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 still midlife crisis to me, you know, because during that time I was like about the 170 pounds smoking two to three packs a day. I was just, you know, um, I, I, I thought I was in shape. I thought I was like, you know, I thought I was like big or something like that. Uh, well, I was fat, but then uh, within th- uh, three minutes of rolling, um, it didn't last that three minutes I was heaving and I left a, a pool of of nicotine sweat on the floor okay? <laughs> and I remember Marco just smacked me in the head and says like stop stop wheezing right because I was like <laughs> I was like breathing so hard it was a tough time but uh, what I liked about it is basically it just it hooked me it hooked me because like I thought I know what I was doing I thought I could handle myself um, because I got into stupid street fights back then when I was a kid. And uh, I thought that, you know, a um, little bluff and bluster can go a long way. It doesn't. It doesn't. The mats will always tell you who you are, you know. And it told me at that time how much of a weak little bitch I was. And that's it, you know. But then also after that, um, you know, um, I got curious in regards to like how good am I doing in jujitsu, right? And what's this? Uh, I remember the time in which uh, Marco taught me just one choke, one choke when I was just a white belt, which is like the Ezekiel choke, okay? And then for like a month, I was killing everybody. I was tapping everybody. I was tapping. I almost put out Batman. You know, he was a purple belt. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was put put him out. I put out what's this? Um, um, my little ninja. Who's that? Um, I forgot his name. But and then also I was getting Piers and what's this and, and Max, and finally uh, Marco turns around after a month. and goes, "Okay, this is how you get out of it." I was like, "Ah, I have to start over again. I have to look for another <laughs> submission." And so I gravitated to uh, arm bars. You know, so it came. It came. You know, hand in hand. You go for the choke. The hands extend, you go for the arm bar, and vice versa, you know. If they retract their hands, you go for the choke. So those are the kind of things that basically um, 
made me like realize like hey you know jujitsu is an awesome awesome um sport you know that uh even i can do because before back then i was doing taekwondo um it was good it's it's good but not good for my size you know, I would get out punched or out kicked because of the, of the height advantage. I'm sorry to say, I'm a short guy. I'm like only five foot two, and but since the people that I'm fighting, who's about my age, I'm like fucking like six feet tall. So what am I supposed to do? You gotta um, get inside. That's what you gotta yeah, do. You try, you try get inside. That means you're gonna get hit a lot before getting inside. It's like okay. So what you're someone, what you're saying is Taekwondo may not be the best sport for you. Not the best sport at all for me. Well, what's to say it? What I liked about it is it taught you footwork. It taught you how to move in angles. It taught you how to, to gauge distance from, uh, against an enemy, right? You have to, like... But then again, I kind of see the same thing as well in jiu-jitsu, especially when I'm fighting, uh, like, you, Mike. You got, like, a long-ass guard. You, you, you as well, Aaron. You guys got long legs, right? So you Aaron has a guard? <laughs> My guard's pretty good. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just, I was just double checking. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, like you, you, I think in uh, jujitsu, especially, you use your attributes, right? So, like, yes. I think somebody like you, for example, who may be, to put it nicely, vertically challenged, <laughs> would short, man. Yeah, okay. So you're you being shorter, that's going to allow you to apply different techniques probably more efficiently versus. Someone like myself, who's a little bit taller, mm. well, I'm going to use more like range guards. So like let's say like Delahiba guard, I'm able to push somebody away versus mm -hmm. you. If you want to play like a deep half guard, you can just go right under people or like a, a reverse Delahiba and spin under really quick. And, you know, stuff like that where you're able to get, I think a lot of sweeps where you're, you're try to dive under somebody really quickly would be that's very effective true. for somebody yeah that's, that's true well first things first basically like a, um as a smaller competitor and a smaller jiu-jitsu uh um practitioner um i always try to find the fastest way out of their guard or fastest way passing the guard right and my advice for like a smaller uh, practitioners is basically find the path to the back but take the, any limb along the way, okay? Find the path to the back, take any limb along the way. So basically, like, if I'm going to, I, um, I want to try to get to, to your back because the back to me is, like, the part where you have no defense once the person gets on your back. Hardly any defense, right? No, the, what you need to do is basically try to survive, try to peel off arms, try to peel off the legs, try to scrape them off the ground or off the floor or on the, what's this, on the walls, whatever the, what's this material would be. Now, so if, you, if you're there, what, what you also need to do is basically if you're, if you're smaller than the bigger person that you're, you're fighting, you have to get into either a half, uh, no, not half guard, a side control or a north-south position as much as possible, okay? Because from there, you got to keep yourself away from the guard. If the guard is there, you're going to have a hard time, okay? Also, basically, like as you said, I like going for deep halves. I like going for, what's this, uh, waiter sweeps. I like going for X guards. I like to be under a leg uh, instead of under a body. If I'm under mm -hmm. a leg, I'm, I'm safer than being under the body. I mean... Last thing you want is like to have like Professor Jason sitting on you, you know, Panda, you know, like that's the worst thing. I hate it when he just like 
has a half guard on you and he's he's putting like full 250 pounds on you just crushing you across from shoulder to hip and there's nothing nothing you can do and uh, and you're looking trying to look for those micro transitions in which you could put your elbow through into the belly kind of thing in order for you to escape to to what's this to shrimp out it's so difficult it's so difficult you know but Always keep moving. Try to find the path, uh, the path to the back. You know, take any limbs along the way, and go for positions in which you know you're not carrying their full weight, in which you could tip them over. And that's my advice for them. So, like, when you kind of like obviously started getting more involved in jujitsu, did that competition like kind of just trip into you? You're like, okay, I just want to compete from now on, or was that kind of like something you kind of got forced into, and then you kind of hook a bug? <laughs> something like that well one thing I knew, I knew growing up like I was never good at anything I was not good in like any sports that I could think of you know either I'm too short for it or too different in regards to uh, my athletic process I can't throw a ball as far as like a, a tall pitcher or something like that I can't uh, dribble or shoot a basketball or dunk or anything like that so I never really got into any sports that I could see any progress in right then I found jujitsu and I'm like thinking wow you know like I felt like not only was I working out I was I was um, developing a skill and then it came to a point when you know like after a while it's like you know what this is pretty fun this is enjoyable what would competition be like doing this you know I needed to feel the butterflies I needed to, to feel what it's like to to compete in a sport that what's this, um, I just got into because I was competing as well in what's this in Taekwondo. In the beginning parts, basically I was doing well, but then as I said, right, what's this, uh, after a while, your attributes, your physical attributes take into place. With jujitsu, didn't, it didn't matter anymore in regards to my physical attributes. You know, I could be short, I could be tall, I could be skinny, I could be fat, I could, as long as I'm able to move and apply the technique properly, then it works. Now, how do I put that into theory of competing? Yeah, that's what I did. Basically, as a white belt after like, I think three to six months, I think we did, the, uh, you were there, I think, Aaron. We were at, what's this, that? Um, the first symposium, I think it was at Fight Scholar. Oh, and the like fight, up in like Scarborough, Scarborough or whatever it was. Fight yeah, Scholar. yeah, 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 yeah. Fight yeah. Scholar, right? Now, was, this um, your yeah. first, was this your first tournament for both of you? That no, was no, my no, no, first no. But you were there from Orangefield Dojo, right? Yeah, no, I was there from Etobicoke Dojo. Etobicoke? Paulo. Yeah, oh, Paulo. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You were yeah, with Paulo. Paulo uh, I was with Paulo, Paulo at the time. And um, yeah, so like the Orangeville guys were all there and all that kind of jazz. Mm -hmm. And we had that symposium. I think that was like symposium, the first one or second The one. first one. That, or, that, I think that was yeah. the first one that we were at. And the first big fun. one. Yeah, and it was that fight, fight scholar, what it was called. Yeah, and I think that's where I first met like you. I had met Professor Markle before, but mm. like through the other in-house, because we used to have in-house tournaments at University of Toronto. Yes, yes at one yes. point too. So mm -hmm. they were like in-house uh, deals or whatever, which were actually pretty good. They were pretty good athletic competitions. Everybody mm -hmm. got like five, six fights or whatever, which was fun. But yeah, that was I remember that. But uh, the scoring was kind of rudimentary. They didn't oh, really, yeah. yeah, like people really didn't know how to assist to to score. But then you pretty much know who's winning, right? 
like I don't think anybody there felt like oh this guy cheated me and everything else nobody knew the rules right we just know <laughs> oh just take down the person pass the guard to side control and stop the person that's it that was, that was- it's pretty it's pretty straightforward if you take somebody down mount them and choke them like there's, yeah, no, it, there's no dispute of, oh i, I should have had that advantage for no like, yeah. you got mounted and like crushed like lost. but see people were like what's this uh, doing turnovers and people were giving points for it and everything else and we, we didn't care all we wanted to do is just win that's it this is yeah. beginning this is like the end of the dark ages of like jujitsu and i think in ontario we had a uh, like tony we had like tony uh, tony isaacs on a couple yeah. of episodes ago we we're talking about like the evolution dan maroney we had him on we we're talking about like the evolution of tournaments Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, I think you were competing towards like the end of that. They were talking about like Jocelyn's and what was going yep. on there. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. That was like, uh, I think Jocelyn's was one of those tournaments that I wish I jumped in, you know, like I wish I knew about it or something like that. That, that, that was, was like, that was my first tournament. <laughs> Jocelyn's, yeah. Yeah, Jocelyn's. I, uh, I took a guy down and I got guillotined in like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like yeah. like the, the spazziest like white belt wrestler like jumping around and I did like the, like I fake high and then like I just like dove at his legs took a, and I shot with like my head down and he basically just caught my head. I <laughs> elbowed like, man. Like, pretty much. Is, instant like world's worst double leg that i got he kind of like half pulled guard and half like okay well i'm just gonna choke you now (laughs) i got you i got you yeah but from that as well basically uh from that tournament in fight scholar then we had started having symposiums or basically uh seminars and belt gradings right one the other one that we had was in orangeville i think that yeah oh yeah yeah they rented the gym or something Yeah. yeah yeah and we had that tournament then after that, right, like, um, there wasn't any major tournaments at that time. There was, like, a tournament every six months, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, in between those times, how, what did we do to, in order to, what's this, to get better and also to uh, compete, right? And that's when the zombie leagues came in, right? You remember the zombie leagues? Oh, right? I remember those zombie leagues. Oh, I, th- I think I did. I think I did one of those as well. Yeah. Well, the zo- what I liked about the zombie league is basically it started off like very, very small, but it grew very organically within the Franco-bearing team. And then we started asking other people from from different gyms to start jumping in to come in and try it out. What I liked about that rule set is like it's a crazy rule set, right? A crazy rule set because it's kind of mixed between grappling industries, which has what uh, round robin uh, fights, and also. Just because you tap the person uh, once in the fight, that doesn't mean it, does, it, it stops there. No, you keep going. You reset. I, I, you keep going. I think I remember the rules. I think it, um, so it was divided by weight class. So yes. It's divided by weight class, but it's also, it's open belt. So like, open you could be belt. a white belt, you could be a white belt uh, competing with a black belt. But then there, yes. I think there was also, I think there was also like a handicap in a way. So like yes. you're a higher belt. I think you would get less points for a submission versus like if you were like a white or a blue belt, for example. Yeah. Do, yeah. What, so for, for the people be- that are at home and listening to this, what were, do you remember, like, do you guys remember for both of you, like the, the rules rule set? Cause I remember it was a very unique one that I, uh, I did a long time ago and I actually mm-hmm. enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no, basically how it worked out was let's say if you were a white belt, 
and you were fighting a white belt, the points were even. So it would one be one. one for one, right? But if it was like white belt versus blue belt, it was if I, the white belt typed, tapped out the blue belt, blue, uh, the white belt would get like two points. If um, the blue belt tapped out the white belt, they would only get a half point, right? Yeah. Like it's somewhere around those lines. And let's just yes. say if it was like a white belt versus a black belt and the black belt got tapped out by the white belt, the white belt would get five 10 points. points. Or five, five points, points. Or yeah, yeah. Five, five points. Like and then if the... If the um, black belt tapped out the white belt, it was like one fifth of a point or yeah. something like that. So the the black belt had to tap, 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 like, tap, 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 tap like through, yeah. and it was a five minute match duration. So it, it kept going for full five minutes. So basically, it, timer goes, everybody goes. They had like five, six mats going at once, music going, and then mm -hmm. you would you had scores, right? So you would just keep score of who got what. Right. And then at the end of that, let's say the round robin, whoever had the most amount of points would win that division. And then go to the golden sub. <laughs> yeah, the gold, the golden, yeah, 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 yeah. The golden Can sub. You, go ahead, just explain the golden sub. The golden subs are basically like no time limit, tap the guy and then go uh, advance to the next, you know, to the next round. But then yeah. it's also an absolute division, right? It's an absolute division of like five minutes, five rounds, right? So it's crazy. Yeah. So basically, like every, ev I think every um, every match or every tournament, you're almost guaranteed. If you even if you did the was the golden sub, you you need at least ten fights to get the gold. Yeah. Right. I, so I want to ask I want to ask you guys just for fun. Like, right. is that your favorite rule set, or like, what's another rule set that you guys have competed in or seen where you're like, oh, like that's interesting. I'd like to try that, or I really liked competing in that. Okay. Um, you guys go ahead. Tell me. Like, I enjoyed that rule set. I thought that was a great rule set for beginners. Right. Mm -hmm. So they would get lots of fights in there and get lots of experience and mm -hmm. it was all for fun because it was in it is. space it and is. all that kind of stuff right so you, i thought that was and it gets a different mindset as far as like competition goes my favorite rule set that i competed in was the no time limit submission only yeah us yes, us grappling yes that, us grappling oh, that amazing. was my favorite that was amazing. Was it just set the timer, go, and then when the person gets submitted, the match is yeah. over? You, you can Basically. have a 45, 45 minute to a, an hour and 30 minute matches, man. But yeah, that was like a it great. Was, it was a great tournament. They, they had it set up perfectly because they had just some right amount of competitors. And like it wasn't over, like, it wasn't like 500 people there, right? I think there's probably like 100, maybe 200 people, mm -hmm. right? The weight divisions were set up properly and it was just go, go, go. So it's, you get some matches that lasted 30 seconds and some that lasted 10 minutes and some exactly. longer. And it was a great tournament. I love that rule set. That was the best time when we went there, invaded, what's this, Albany, New York. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was just like five of us. It was like, a, it was like uh, you, Aaron, what's this, uh, Roya, um it was milky me yeah. and then who's this um max max, max is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so i think he i think he mentioned a long time ago that was like one of his favorite tournaments as well now that, that was the u.s like, grappling sub only yeah sub only is pretty pretty fun i mean you have to have like a different kind of mindset so either you want to finish the person so that you could breathe as fast as you know you want to finish the person as fast as possible so you can breathe or you wait him out. 
you know, you pretend to give him like um, something to for him to try and choke you out with, or or you know, like you bait them out. You know, you wait, you wait them out until they're finally tired, then you start going, 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 go. But then there's gonna be ebbs and tides in fights like that. You know, the first ten minutes is like wild, next. Five minutes is like everyone's breathing and just holding on to a side control. Then another two minutes is like a wild, you know, escape. And then finally somebody gives up or, you know, just, uh, just gets caught. Oh, that was a fun tournament, you know, that. But what other rule sets do I like? I do like ADCC rules, okay? But what's this? Um... I do too. Because I think it's a good mix of submission only and points. I mean, you get mm-hmm. the best. Because there's there's drawbacks, I think, with both. You can have some – don't get me wrong. You can have some extremely boring point score, like, oh, point totally. matches. And you yeah. can have some extremely boring submission only matches where, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're taking their sweet time to, you know, set things up. Or both mm-hmm. people are playing extra cautious. Oh, I also think, yeah. like, you don't want to just be like, okay, like, this person's going to pass my guard 75 times and I'm just going to, like, throw up <laughs> random yeah. submissions and go. I think there needs to be a balance. And I think 80, I, I like the ADCC rule, uh, rule mm-hmm. set plot for that reason. I'm even thinking because I, I like the EBI rule set as well. The one thing sometimes is when it does go to overtime and I've had examples of this where like someone's just getting absolutely mauled for that time limit. And then they're just able to, you know, they just like squeeze somebody on their back. So they, they basically win by like not getting killed and just like holding on for dear life when they Mm -hmm. have somebody's back. So they're not really mounting any offense yet. I've seen examples of that, but I like that rule set as well. I would just wish there was a way to kind of, Maybe push push the overtime a little bit more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I got you. Another rule set that I do uh, like is basically um, the parabellum rules. Yes. Par- parabellum rules, yes. It's like, you know, no points, but you know who's winning, okay? And then at the end, what's this? Um, I think... I think they have the EBI rule in which what's this, um, either you start off in um, a spider web or you have the backpack, right? Yep. So I, I do like that, but then people tend to play it the way they play EBI. If I can't beat you in regular time, I'm going to try and beat you in what's this overtime submissions, right? So I don't, I don't, I don't like that part. I, I, I think you should only put that EBI rule when it's a real tie. But if one yes, guy, I agree. If one guy is, you could see he's getting crushed, getting dominated, getting passed, getting you know like a couple of submissions that uh, attempts onto that person. You know that's that's the person pushing the pace. I think that the person that's pushing the pace should win more than the person that's being defensive. I agree. That was actually a suggestion I made to uh, Rory. That's another person I want to get on here as well. To yes, talk get him, about. get we'll him, get him. Okay. That was because um, I suggested to him, I think if it goes to like a judge's decision, it has Make to it be... three judges. Make it three judges to me. Yes. You know? like... Three judges. They have to be unanimous for the winner. Mm-hmm. If it's a split, then you do like, let's say an EBI overtime. That's what I suggested. Mm. So if it's that's, like, let's say that's fair. Two, two said... Like you, one said Aaron, then it would be then it would be an overtime because it wasn't very like for it to be a, like a pretty split decision. It would have to be like a pretty back and forth or yeah, I I get you. 
I got yeah. you. Yeah, there has to be a good um, a good balance in regards to a person trying to go for the kill, or yeah. a person that's just what's this um, winning just on advantages or winning on just positions. I like a person who's always going for the kill, right? So absolutely, yeah. The way the way jujitsu should be done. One thing I wanted to ask: we touched on being smaller in jujitsu and like you know strategy for that. But you started jujitsu as a older individual, shall yep. we say? You started at thirty-five, and you were there wasn't you weren't competing in masters. You were competing in adults at the time, so you're yeah. competing at adult up into like I think you were until like, until they put in what's this uh, a master's division I was <laughs> yeah, like about they didn't like even have 39 you know yeah you you're competing there till like and you're competing as people half your age so mm. for the people that are you know older and uh all washed up like me and Aaron what are your advice to them <laughs> when it comes to you're older you're competing against younger guys or just training in general now that you're older what's what's some wisdom can, you can impart onto us Okay. Um, know when to tap. <laughs> that's that's. I'm not joking. A lot of people. Unless you get caught three times in a submission, then that that. Yeah, that's that's, 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 that's You're going to sleep, man. You're going to sleep. That's it. You know. But yeah, you have to know when to tap. Like one of the things, like I know, it's training. I don't care if you're a white belt and tap me out. I don't care if you're a blue belt. I'm gonna get you back, though. I'm going to get, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to do my best to get you back. But you know, like, um, those are the things that, that, uh, I know for sure from experience, right. That no one, knowing when to tap and also choose your partners, choose your partners. You, like you, you see if a guy comes up to you, he's pumped up already on, on pre-workout, you know, you see zits popping in his face and he's like, I want to roll with you, Mike, I want to roll with you. You know, for sure that, you know, like first send in an enforcer to that guy, tire him out, you know, get Jay and towards him. And then after that, you want to roll, come. Okay, then, then you roll with them. That's one. Um, learn how to, uh, I have, somebody said this about me that basically, um, I'm not fun to roll with because I don't give anything. Okay? Like, like... Who says you have to give anything? <laughs> I don't give anything. I Who like, says like, that's like, a rule? I know. A rule? <laughs> you have to learn, like, in order for you to get better as well, sometimes you have to open up. Okay? You have to open up the, your, what's this, your game yeah. so that you can learn. You can learn how to um, defend certain positions or also when you open up you're opening up because of the fact that that's your only choice of escape okay so those are the things that um, I guess that I instill in me other than that you got to put in the work ethic you got to put in the work ethic of working hard like what's this um, when I started I started off with like once a week then after two to three weeks of that, I started going two times a week. Then after that, what's this, um, it grew into three times a week. Then when I started competing, that's when I'm going like five times a week. And then what's this, every time I'm going for uh, what's this, a competition for the first two months, I make sure that what's this, that's the first, uh, the first two months. The first month is going to be basically break your body down. That means you're you're 
going to exercise, you're going to lift weights, you're gonna, you're gonna do your wrestling, you're gonna do your drilling, you're gonna do your, what's this, your guard passing, you gotta do everything that you need in order for you to, what's this, to acclimate, to, um, to acclimate both to your weight and acclimate both to, what's this, um, your proficiency of, of doing jujitsu against a person, right? Then the second, uh, second month now, that's when you start planning for diets and also uh, watching your water intake level and also making sure that that second month you, you, what's this, is still hard training. And then the last month in leading into it, I think basically the last two weeks, you don't roll. I don't roll. I just make sure that I drill, I drill, I drill and just do my isometrics and also um, weightlifting and that's it. Um, but for people like older people getting into it, I do notice that jujitsu is for older people. The average age of a white belt, I think it's like 28. And the average, what's this uh, uh, age of um, a blue belt grappler, I think it's 32. So by gauging those age, uh, those, those, what's this, those uh, stats, right? You could basically tell that this is an old man's sport. This is meant for older people who are more mature, who have, who plans in their head. They're, they're, they're not just hitting the balls, stepping in, stepping right. They're not just trying to dunk the ball or passing the ball to other people. No, you have to think of it like chess, right? And the people that are, that I do see that are into, um, medicine into computers into um nerdy stuff right those are the ones that are that really do well in jujitsu because of their problem solving skills they're able to translate that now for an older gentleman coming in right that those are the things that basically you have to look upon yourself what's your goal going in are you there to lose weight are you there to learn that skill are you there because you want to be competitive there's, those are different things. And the thing about it is like, you could go to all three stages just by doing jujitsu. You start off like, I just want to do this for a hobby. Hey, you know, I'm losing weight. Hey, I'm getting stronger in this one. Hey, I could kick his ass. Maybe I, that guy's like calling me out. Now you, I want to kick his ass. So those are the things that happens, right, in jujitsu. So um, I've seen, and there's people in, at, at our gym who's 75 years old. 75 years old and doing jujitsu. And I'm so proud of this gentleman, I think Alex at our gym. And this guy, what's this, looks like uh, Mr. Burns, okay? But this guy, this guy can move, okay? He's 75 years old and yet he's able to do the techniques. He's able to do the, like, uh, a scissor sweep into an X choke, into an armbar, you know? And so that's my advice to, I guess, um, older people. It's never too late. Never too late. Because if you if you ask if you asked me back then, would I do would I ever amount to anything with jujitsu? I'd say fuck no, fuck no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here for, to have fun. I'm just here. I'm losing weight. Now, it made me quit. Made me quit smoking. That's all. Little did I know. Like if you asked me back then, if uh, I would have amounted to anything in doing jujitsu, fuck. I I wouldn't believe it. I think that's, that's, it's pretty amazing how you say, like, you wouldn't believe it, but if you actually, and again, you would know better than I, but I just see like the thing that I've seen where you've won 
numerous competitions, especially at the world level, IBJF, like, so like blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, and black belt, all masters tournaments, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, plus you've also done the Quintex. You've also had a lot of other achievements. Like, that's pretty impressive, man. Like, for a guy, again, like you said, your age, but always consistently competing at the highest level and, again, competing and winning. Not bad for uh, Tito Mike. <laughs> yeah, Tito Mike, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what to say in regards to that. Um, I think I just came from a family of late bloomers, right? My younger brother never really competed in anything else as well. He didn't think, he just got into powerlifting and started lifting weights. And next thing you know, he's like, holy shit, man, I'm pushing 350 pounds. Holy shit, I'm deadlifting 420 pounds. Things like that are crazy, crazy numbers. And I'm like, what the fuck is this, right? And he even said, said it himself. Like, if you ask me back then when I started lifting, what, what, what's his goal or something like that? He wanted to just look good. He didn't think that he would end up like, what's his... Um, winning his titles as well and the same thing with me i never thought that which is uh i never thought of like winning world champions like this uh, you know or these kinds of events you know i just know that i love this i just love competing you know like i love the butterflies i love that was just the preparation i love being like a a mean bastard before the fight you know like don't talk to me i'm just like focused i'm just like doing my job you see me right like i have my face on i'd be like like this don't talk to me hey what's up going i'm like i'm just breathing and just focusing you know concentrating and on my next fight and that's it you know uh, I got. Amazing. I guess I got lucky. It, it, and it's also. Think about it. I think it's. It's. I was just at the right place at the right time. In everything in, that leads up to it, you know, I was just at the right place at the right time. If I feel like I'm not at the right place, I shouldn't be there. Then, mm, I wouldn't have competed. You know, well, fuck no, I probably would. But <laughs> <laughs> you know. So obviously, like going through all those competitions and now being more like as an official, right? Like with the OJA, like you get to see it all at first hand now, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do you, how do you feel like kind of like taking a step back from the competition side and then going more into the efficient side? It's both. It, you know what? It, it's, it goes hand in hand. I wanted to become a ref so I could, cheat basically you know <laughs> cheat it, well, not really cheat but knowing just the know rules, the rule set. knowing the I thought, rules i thought you did yeah. it to help the uh the ontario jiu-jitsu community fuck no man seriously <laughs> fuck them I'm not just joking <laughs> that's why if anybody is listening i am here as a servant to the ontario no fuck that i just want to get paid anyways go on exactly. exactly my main goal of becoming a ref at that time was basically i wanted to know the rules i wanted to understand why i got those points why i didn't get those points how could i get more points how could i was this uh put um how how to learn how to sell sell your moves right and you know how you do it you take the person down you give the ref the look or something like that he gives a call and you give him that look and you sure you're right about that you know 
I think I remember you looking at me for points as I was wrapping up that. <laughs> giving me like the, the death cold, the like there, Fili- the... Filipino stare of like, I'm going to eat your soul unless you give like, me these two points. These two points, these, these things. And the thing about it's like, um, what's so, like, that was my goal. I wanted to learn the ins and outs. And um, I wanted to be able to call the points as it is because even now I still am learning on how to become a better ref right and the, the same way as, as all of us so we're trying to become better jujitsu artists as well right so we study we study we plan we try to execute we implement that in our games you know and so things Definitely. like that yeah, definitely. I think refereeing has probably helped you. I think with uh, probably competition strategy, competition very much, mindset. Very much. It's helped. It's helped me a lot as well because, I, like, I related to like basketball. I tell a lot of the the guys at the gym that we do not speak of on here that you know how do you it's like how do you win in jiu-jitsu? It's like like we'll compare it to basketball for example. Like if you don't know how to score, or you don't know like how to what a three pointer is. What how do you, a, what how do you, fouls? What are foul? How do you know how to how to win? Like, how do you know how to win a match besides exactly. like you know arm barring a guy, right? Like, you need to know like how to score. That's basically what I what I uh, I, I try to tell people as well. And I think being, I think if you're going to be like any sort of competitor, I think you have to you know invest a little bit in like just refing and knowing the rules because that gives and it's it's also different than just reading the rule book and going oh well I know yeah. the rules. It's like okay, well how do you apply them? Like, because you can right. see at tournaments, like, where's the where's the points for uh, side control ref? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, I'm looking at them like, do you do you, did know, you, did you read it in Portuguese and English yeah. or like, like, <laughs> like what's wrong with you? Like, like then you don't get points for that. But um, right. what are what are some? Because me and you, we've we've been up and down the road a lot. We we mm. refed a lot of tournaments. What are some of and I think it's also, it's, it's fun as well. You know, you get to meet and see a lot of different people. What are some of your memories of, uh, you know, tra- traveling and going to different, uh, you know, tournaments, venues, cities? Okay. Um, I guess the, what do you mean uh, in regards to being an official? Or in being regards to being an official or anything that just stands out or any, any interesting stories that come to mind? No, oh, there's lots, but I can't say it here. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots. It's 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 fun going on the road kind of thing, right? Um, also, like um, you get to meet different competitors. You know, uh, different. Co- I, I like going to Montreal. They got really really good competitors down there. Um, I gotta sh- give shout outs to people in, like the people the Tenth Planet all the way to uh, people in what's this Carlson Gracies. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and also the BTT crew. They're sick crew. Like these people are like you know, um, I feel sorry for them that they they can't even do tournaments for like the last two years because of their uh, provincial um, pro- provincial red tape, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, I, we talked about that before. They need to figure out something besides doing like tournaments on the border of like Hawkesbury or like yeah. law mud shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they need to. Instead of just going like, we're going to go right across the border to Ontario, do a tournament in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I think this is the last, no, no, this wasn't it. This is, this is the 2012 Naga one, right? That's oh, where, had, yeah, that's where I met with this, uh, you, Mike, for the first time. Uh, a, young, a young Mike Breyers. Young Mike Breyers. A, light, yeah. a lightweight, no, I wasn't a lightweight at the time, but uh, 
I did that. I think it was one of the terms I saw. I'm like, who's this like, you know, 40 year old who looks like they're 12. That's just arm barring everybody. <laughs> no, that, I think I was there with, what's this with Greg King, right? Yeah. It was, he, he and I went there and then after that tournament, like we got these bunch of boxes of uh, Zion's um, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And then they were we giving got, them out by like the case. Yeah, I think they were we were getting cases. And what we did is basically we got a bottle of uh, Jagermeister or something like that. We started making um, Jager bombs and they had a parade in Montreal and Greg and I were like, dang, we're like so drunk after the tournament. I was walking around with my belt over here. Like, <laughs> <my belt>. yeah. <laughs> it was like so a professional fun. wrestler, like walking yeah. around. I love those Naga belts. I love those Naga belts, you know. I wish that was this, um, the OJA would make more belts like oh, that. To be loose. Huh? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I think we just lost you for a second. Yeah, so those are the times. Like, to me, going to Montreal is always fun. Um, Vegas is wild. Vegas is wild because the thing about it is, like, you go to Vegas. Well, if I'm going to Vegas, I know for sure I'm competing in the World's Masters. And uh, during that time, for like, until I fight, you are like so focused. You cannot eat. You, you are like a like no offense don't mean to be sexist like a girl because all you talk about is your weight and what we're eating (laughs) and what are you gonna wear and things like that you know like you're irritable you feel like i don't know how it feels but it feels like it's a pms kind of thing because you're snapping at people you know and then you fight after you fight you go buck wild like like Pocket masters. I'm it is. It th- that's the part that I do enjoy. You know, like it felt like win or lose, you worked hard for that beer. You enjoy that- the PMS or the cheesecake? The cheesecake, not the PMS. Okay, just checking. <laughs> no, it's just like like I I've had that experience at work. You're training, you're dieting, you're yeah, everything. You're and miserable. Just- you're miserable. You're actually miserable for the two to three months. Okay, two to three months. Then after that, you know, like you're you're partying with the friends that you you competed with or the people that you went to the to the tournament with, right? So like it's a great feeling. I got to spend time with like uh, Professor Marco with um, my other teammates. Um, who's that? Um, Milkius. Um, all the people from Body of Four. You know, that competed with me. And that's it. You know. So So when you kind of look at like all the the things that you've accomplished, like what's the like the one BJJ accomplishment that really stands out to you? If there's one that you can kind of think of. He's trying to count up all his world titles. Hold on. It's hard. It's hard because each <laughs> one has its own, you know. Like, I guess the one that's really, really memorable that was 2017. You know, 2017 was when I got my black belt. And um, it was a surprise because what's this? I got it on the podium, right? I got it in the podium of the World's Masters. Like, Marco just comes up to me and I was just in tears. Like I felt like a little bitch crying and complaining about, you know, like, <laughs> like I can't believe I'm getting this right now. I, would, I, I, I thought that was just, um, as soon as I won that, you know, we're all just going to celebrate and then just go home. And then what's this once I'm home in December, I'm going to get my belt. Right. Mm-hmm. But he, he surprised me like that. It's like, whoa, you know, it's such an honor for me to get a uh, belt that way. 
things. So that's what's re- really memorable for me. And I got to spend it with like really good friends of mine, right? And I can like mm, memorable moment, you know? Yeah, I I think that's a hard one to beat. It's mm-hmm. a big one. And it's hard, and the people that I fought are no slouches either. You know, like they've been they've been around for a while. Like I I looked at their what's this their their resumes or something like that of the people they fought. It's no joke. It's no joke. And then what's this um last year at the World Nogi? Holy fuck, man! Seriously, like I was like really really taken aback at that one because of how how tough the fights were. Well, because I was fighting at a high a heavier weight class. Nobody was in my division, so I moved up to light feather. And I'm looking at these people. Holy shit, you're like a head and a half taller than me, right? So, but um, yeah, those were memorable times. Amazing. And so, go on. No, no, no. You were going to say something, so yeah, I want, I want, I want to hear Because, um, you know what, Jiu-Jitsu has given me a lot. It's given me a lot, you know, as much as, um, as much as I trained, met the people, you know, like, it's given me a lot. It's given me, like, um, a sense that I could love myself again, you know? Because, like, many times people would look in the mirror and say, like, fuck, man, seriously, I need to change this, I need to change that. I look at this, this, this flab over here kind of thing. And you're always so critical of the things that you've done. You, you must, like, I know myself. I look at the mirror and like, fuck, how could you be so fucking stupid? You know, how could you have done that? Or how could you, like, miss this, miss that? And I, I have to be honest with myself, right, on how fucked up I have done. I have to be accountable for myself. But jujitsu made me really accountable uh, to myself to the point that I started doing good things and I'm able to give back good things. And that's when it started coming back. And then, you know, you start to love your flaws, who you are. I don't care if I'm short. I don't care if I'm fat. I don't care if I'm this and that or something like that because I could fucking kick your ass. That's how <laughs> I felt. You know, like, like that's, that, that, that kind of confidence, you know, um, you can't really put a monetary figure on that. You can't really put, uh, that's an experience that I know for sure that I will always cherish, you know? And I want to give that back to other people as well. I like it when my students come up here, Professor, man, the, the move didn't work. The move didn't work, but it actually did, right? So those are fun things, what jujitsu has done for me. No, I think that's fantastic. And like you're, you're given to that, next person that might have been in the same position you, you were when you were 35, 36, and mm-hmm. you're giving them the tools that you've already experienced is like, Hey, these is, this guy, I've gone through it. Mm-hmm. I've already done this. I've made those mistakes. You can yeah. do X, you can do this, you can do that. So I think that's, that's amazing. And it, it also talks about, you know, like what's the next steps for you? Like that's mm-hmm. the, the other thing It's like, where, where does Mike want to see himself grow moving forward? Well, to tell you the truth, basically, like uh, right now, I'm enjoying teaching. I'm enjoying teaching. Um, well, if there's there is a class, right? But um, uh, I enjoy teaching because, like, I'm able to give back to the people. That what's this? Um, I'm able to give back to the community or give back to jujitsu by propagating it to people, right? I love the fact that I get to see 
I got nerds come into my class, okay? Nerds, like people that you look at them like, what the hell is he doing it here? He's going to get killed, right? But they stuck it out. They stuck it out. They keep trying. They keep getting better and better. And the better that they get, you know, like I see their confidence in, in, in their face. I see the demeanor has changed, the way that they walk. They walk like gods now compared to the way they walk, walked before, you know. Before I had people like passing out in my class. Like, oh, Oh, professor, oh, boom. They just fall on the floor because they got, they're so exhausted, right? And then next thing you know, they're in their, their 20th role and say, professor, who's next? You know, I say, come here, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We've, uh, we, we've uh, put a poll out and uh, the number one question that was asked was, when is your podcast making a comeback? Um, I never had a podcast. I thought you had a podcast with uh, Greg King. This is what, no, this is we what were the people planning. want to okay, know. No, no, I understand. Know. I understand what you're saying in regards to that. A lot of people have reached out to me in regards to that too as well. It's just our time because he's, he's also, uh, what he calls, um, he's also a teacher and he holds his own school and he has his marketing company running around. I'm the same way. And I got this little, little, little one running around. Little well. one right here, like, you know bugging me all the time so it's difficult time for us to be able to come up with any ideas or ways of um of continuing the, the king and mouse show we had some um we already have a script written or basically just a format of how it's supposed to be there yeah and then what's this um it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time because like also like one of the things I told was this um, Greg that if we do this, who's going to edit everything else? Who's going to put it onto the web? Who's going to... Aaron Will. He, he edits everything here. He does all the work. <laughs> I'm just... I, I compare it to uh, the script of Goodwill Hunting. He is Matt Damon who's typing the whole thing. Matt and I'm Ben Affleck sitting on the couch smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, how I feel. So you just that. need to. You just need to find your Matt Damon. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, what's this? Um, it's a matter of time. Um, but it's still in the back burner, so we'll see. We'll see, because I do. I really want to do something with 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 um, with Greg. You know. We'll get a podcast network going, uh, just like uh, Joe Rogan does, and we'll, yeah. we'll you'll be the first one we'll contact to get one of those going. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. Go, sorry, Aaron. Go ahead. No, because no, like I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember the whole concept of it. What was it? Just like a simple podcast with a few you guys, or like it, how it's was it? Actually, my concept of it's supposed to be something like Wayne's World. Okay. Uh, be, yeah, the okay. concept has to be Wayne's World. We start doing a jujitsu you know, um, podcast like that, if we start doing it, it's going to be, it's going to get buried, you know, it's going to get buried. And what's this? Um, I think in a way a podcast would be better because you have so much content, you could just rant. Right. But with the, the King and Mouse show, I want it to be something almost like, like a podcast, but we talk shit about each other, you know, <laughs> Thanks for uh, telling uh, me and Aaron that we have no chance whatsoever. <laughs> no, 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 no. The idea of podcast though is you have to make as much content as possible. 
No, right? absolutely. You have to make as much content as possible and you have to basically uh, get a, a proper following, uh, a proper following of the people that you wanted to target. So you can't just limit it on what's this on just jujitsu because it's such a niche market, right? You have to include everything in the grappling community, everything in the MMA community, everything that's happening around the world in regards to jujitsu. Like imagine like, okay, what do you think of like what happened with what's this with uh, Ricardo de la Riva? Okay, Ricardo de la Riva right now is being charged, or basically one of the one of her female students is like putting a charge on him that you know she, he molested her or something like that, or he tried something on her. I don't know the story or something like that, but but based upon that, what he did is he uh, like what I heard and uh, what I read on on online is that he kicked out all his female students in his uh, association. I don't know about yeah, that. I, I, I heard in the academy. I don't know about the entire association, but in the mm -hmm. academy, I know. In that. the academy, whatever you know, like uh, things like that are like very very. Um, it's it's those are topics, hard topics that that we should talk about. You know, is that are those things happening right now? Like, look at what happened with the Lloyd Ir uh, the Lloyd Irvin um, saga stories of 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 you know crazy things that that happened there. You hear it also in other what's this academies that that uh, a couple of um, instructors are like advancing towards their students. You know, and that that's not good. You know, no, it's uh, not. And these are definitely topics that me and Aaron want to discuss on. We, we've mm -hmm. done a lot of like one-on-ones between me and him. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are definitely things that we want to talk about as well. That yeah. and So like in order for, I guess, for, um, for people to pay attention to, to podcasts like ours, so it's basically to talk about the hard stuff. Talk about the hard stuff that's happening right now. Like one of the things that just the top of my head, a friend of mine just was just reminded me, uh, uh, Professor Roberto Ori, he talked about what's this, um, the rainbow belt for gay people. Like, I'm sorry to say, this is a martial art, you know? We don't care if you're black, white, gay, or straight, you know? We're going to fucking choke you anyways. So why are you going to put on, uh, uh, what's this, uh, a rainbow belt the same thing as well in regards to a pink belt there's only like what uh, five major belts five major belts in, in jiu-jitsu you're white you're blue you're brown uh, purple you're brown you're black and then the other ones is basically the red the grand masters or the coral belt and that's it right you why are you gonna put a, a rainbow belt in between you're actually just telling everybody don't look at what's this, uh, don't look at my skill don't look at my jujitsu look at me for who i am like uh, i i'm this i'm that i'm making a political statement there's no politics in jujitsu there shouldn't be a politics in jujitsu it's a uh, jujitsu to me is basically you're there you're going to learn you're going to learn you have to learn you don't don't deviate and try to to what's this to add something to it that does not belong you know we could be progressive progressive uh, progressive in regards to um, techniques progressive into um, styles progressive into um, different kinds of submissions or moves or whatever it is okay but you're gonna you're 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 adding onto like certain things that label you you want the whole world to know about you you know, like, we don't care about you. 
We all care about choking you out or teaching you how to choke out other people. And that's it. Right? Yeah, um, I think you mentioned like the biggest thing is like every time politics gets into jiu-jitsu, it never goes the right don't, way. It never, it goes never right does. Way. Never goes the right way. And that's the thing. You're adding politics into it. You're adding politics into it by what's this differentiating yourself. I'm sorry. The only way that I know for sure that you could differentiate yourself in jujitsu is your skill. Your skill, your technique, or your knowledge, or what you can give back to the, the community. You're not giving back to the community if you're giving a belt like a, or a, what's this, a rainbow belt. You're not giving back to the community in regards to a pink belt. Make a t-shirt. You know, make a T-shirt. And that people buy that more than buying a what's this, uh, uh, what's this, uh, a colored belt that doesn't belong in our in our art. And that's I think my it comes. To, I think it comes down to basically what we were even saying before. It's like mm. back to the open mat analogy. It's mm. you know how many how many people have you trained with that are you know different color skin than yours, enough different times. ethnic background, different gender, different Diff- et cetera, et cetera. You know, did did any of that matter to you? Like, ooh, like I'm rolling with this person, like, or oh, no. I'm rolling with that. It doesn't matter. Like, at doesn't the end matter. Of the day, like, we're all we're all there to learn. We're all there to exactly. help each other out. And this is what we need more of in the world than what is going on. We need to include everybody versus you know separate what, what everybody. You, what, the thing about it's like in jujitsu, everybody's included. Everybody's That's the best included. part. Yeah. yeah, everybody's included because like you know like I'm equally racist. I hate everybody. I just choke everybody. <laughs> I break everybody's arm. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, that's it. It doesn't matter if you're a white matter. arm. It doesn't matter if you're Aaron's arm. <laughs> exactly. No, no, you, you make perfect point because it's just like, if you, why put a statement on the belt? You could always make a rash card, right? Exactly. You want to make a pink rash guard or a rainbow rash guard or whatever. And that, then that's fine. Do it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But the belts are the belts, right? That is the tradition. That's the art. Why are we trying to shift away from the actual art? Art, That's not. No, no, it's from the art into individuality. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's politics. You're bringing that into it. And there shouldn't be, um, there shouldn't be a place for politics in jujitsu. You know, yeah, I agree. That's, that's my take. You know, yeah. 100%. Well, Michael, I want to thank you very much for coming on to our podcast today and talking to us about your experiences, you, your start, your beginnings, your future up ahead. Obviously, when this whole thing's over, obviously, we want to get through it and get back on the mats together to back to normal, as I say. But I want to give you the opportunity to talk to everybody else and be like, hey, if there's any sponsors you want to reach out to or I'm going to let you close it out. Yeah, well, thank you very much for for you guys uh, inviting me and what's this um, speaking to me about my thoughts and uh, how I feel about the COVID all the way to my uh, experiences. It's not that much. But um, I just want to give a shout out to Professor Marco Costa from Body of Four, uh, all the crews from Submission. Uh, submissions all the way to all the affiliates of uh, of uh, the body for Yorkdale Martial Arts, okay? And also, um, shout out to um, to Igor for being my sponsor, Red Star, 
you know, and also those people from um, Kat and David from um, from Under the Ghee. And there's so, so many people that I just want to thank. I thank my wife and my daughter because they're like my support. And also like a shout out as well to what's this, the people in Rev MMA. That's where I'm teaching right now. I'm teaching with uh, uh, Joel Gerson. They have a very, very good facility up here in Bonn. And what's this, I look forward to going back on the mats and teaching over there. So you guys, if you guys are, you know, you guys are free and you guys want to drop in and come visit and just send me a DM and what's this, uh, I'm on, on the way. Other than that, awesome. if you, if you awesome. guys want to, if you guys want to like follow me on, what's this on Instagram at, I'm at mouse underscore BJJ. And nice. Mike, Mike, I thank you very much, man. Susie. ever since 2012, man, Susie, I've known you and Aaron, you and I have been like, what's this, uh, training buddies for a long time. And, uh, yeah, man. We need to uh, we need to do that again soon. Maybe next time we'll have you on a podcast. We'll do it live and in person. Maybe mm -hmm. not six feet apart, but don't matter. We'll be we'll be uh, hopefully rolling again, and then we can record something next time we see each other in person. Awesome, awesome. As you can see, it's getting dark in here, right? Yeah, yeah. it's getting dark. <laughs> Losing light. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But uh, right. thank you very much, guys, for having yeah. me. I really enjoyed this talk. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. we want to do it again soon. Awesome, awesome. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. Right, Take care. All right. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.